Every human has four endowments, self-awareness, conscience, independent will, and creative imagination. These give us the ultimate human freedom, the power to choose, to respond, to change. Stephen Covey Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of Emetophobia Help. I'm Anna Christie from Vancouver, Canada, recovered emetophobic, licensed psychotherapist specializing in emetophobia, and your host for this podcast. Today, my guest is Kelsey, who's coming to us from Houston, Texas. Hi, Kelsey. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for agreeing to come on. It's really great to um, to get season two um, happening, I guess. Uh, and I'm trying to have just stories of people who are in recovery or who are recovered. And also some, I hope to have some therapists and some researchers and some authors um, on about emetophobia on this season. So a little bit different from last season. And I met you on a Facebook group. I can't remember which one. Do you know? Um, I'm on a couple. I think it was just metaphobia support, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm also, I kind of subscribe to all of them and I like to kind of just, I like, I like to go down through the posts and I just ignore the ones where people are asking, you know, they're panicking and they're asking, do you think I'll be sick? Um, I also, <laughs> I also ignore the ones that are like pictures of people's chicken and they ask, is this, does this look cooked? And yeah. So I, I avoid all those. And then, but then I kind of, you know, like to read ones where people are talking about something a little bit different. So why don't we start out by having kind of on you just the same page as you. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, it's like the more the more like a lot of things like foods, like chicken and stuff, like resources, so people aren't constantly using the reassurance, but right. having a kind of a resource to check themselves and to be able to learn. Because I think having the education of like food safety and stuff like that would help a lot of people, but the reassurance can be detrimental. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't mind passing on just some facts to people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, sometimes I say, you know, the only way to tell is with a thermometer, like get a meat thermometer and make sure your chicken's at 74 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but, um, and, but there are those resources, you know, food safety and everything that's easy to find. And sometimes mm-hmm. chicken can look a little bit pink, even when it is at 74. So, um, yeah, hard to know, but good for you. Uh, why don't we start by having you just tell folks what, what your story of, like when you got a metaphobia or when you realized you had it or what it was like as a child for you? For sure. So for me, like thinking back, all the kind of like red flags and warning signs are absolutely there. Um, Just starting in elementary school, things that I was avoiding and 
it all just connected to vomiting, but it wasn't clear for me and definitely not the people in my family or at my school, even though it seems like it should have been really obvious. Um, and it got a lot worse for me in middle school. And I can think of times where I would say that it had to do with vomiting, but it also had that social anxiety and feeling like I was sick that kind of blurred the lines of like, is this anxiety or is this a specific fear? Um, so I guess I started to realize, okay, I have an anxiety disorder. Um, but I still hadn't narrowed it down to being emetophobia until I was 16. And I don't even remember like how I found it on Wikipedia, but I was like, oh my gosh, this connects all the things that I'm anxious about of traveling, of eating out. For some reason, movie theaters is a common one and I don't know why, but I'm yeah, well. Yeah, they're dark and they're crowded, right? So Yeah, so all those things that, is it social anxiety? Is it something else? So I finally found the term and said, this is it. This is what I have. And you would think that's the end of it. You're like, oh my gosh, I know what's wrong with me. Um, Mm. And it's several years later until I can say, you know, I feel I'm recovered. You know, I'm 25 now, and it's been recent. I felt like I've had recoveries and then been set back to the beginning several times. Um, So it's really getting to that core fear. And it's interesting because it's different for different people because yours is not the same as mine. Right. Absolutely. I'm not mistaken. Your fear had to do with death. When well, your story was, I think it it's always about death with everyone. It just doesn't. We don't realize that it is. I mean, it's the feeling that you're going to die. It's not the thought that you're going to die, because mm-hmm. we're we know logically most of us that we will not die from vomiting. I mean, that's. You know, you have to be unconscious to die of vomiting. But, mm-hmm. but our part of our brains is as afraid as if we were about to die. I think that's what it is. But okay. yeah, and I think um, what you might be referring to, I mean, I had, you know, my brother died, my dad died, these, these traumas really set it off. And, but there are many, many stories of all kinds of different things that you know, some of them aren't even, don't even seem that traumatic. Um, like I had this one girl that I was working with and, and two times when her mom went into the hospital to have a baby, she got like a norovirus or something and her mom was having a baby. So she, you know, so, and she was only like six or, you know, four and six or something. So it really nice family. You wouldn't think there's any trauma there, you know, just a random, thing that yeah i think that's a huge thing is people don't see how little things can be traumatic especially when you're at a young age because i would say it took me a long time to even realize what was the initial trauma for me Mm -hmm. i didn't really narrow that part down until maybe four years ago 
So that's okay. interesting. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say that anybody should kind of devalue themselves for being like, well, I haven't really been through that much trauma. You right. know, trauma yeah. is trauma, even right. if it doesn't yeah. seem like it, it can have profound mm-hmm. effects on you. Like people who suffer with metaphobia can be debilitating. Absolutely. Yeah. And children, small children, especially babies or little toddlers, like anything can be traumatic for them. You know, like mom, especially if mom isn't there, you know, and then they don't remember it later, but their body remembers it, you know, so then they end up with a phobia and they don't know why. But yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty common experience. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, The psychologist that I see personally is really into um, like prenatal trauma and birth trauma like things that happen in utero and, you know, like, I don't know, forceps or something and delivery and, and stuff like that. It's interesting, interesting thinking about that kind of stuff, too. Well, why don't you just start by sharing the, the first time that you felt you were recovering and, and what led to that? Well, I would say to me, I'm like, my recovery is like an onion. And so I peeled back several layers. Okay. And so for the mm-hmm. first time, I was really dealing with those kind of behavioral things and kind of talk about a hierarchy a lot. Um, so for me, it was, you know, going to restaurants, going to the movie theater, being able to deal with these sub fears of emetophobia. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily vomit, but those things that I associated with it. So um, it gets to the point where I've done those enough times that I didn't have anxiety and I was, you know, feeling really normal that I could go out with my friends to eat, to watch movies, to go to parties, that there would be food or drinking, all kinds of things that I would have avoided. So Mm -hmm. day to day, I felt recovered, um, but you know anything and, could have triggered me back to it. Those bigger problems, if not my sub fears, but maybe if I had been—I guess for the second time for me, it was an instance where I had gotten heat exhaustion and mm-hmm. I had um, vomited, and I mean that was a huge setback for me. I dropped out of college and you know moved to a different state to be back with my family you know lost my job in doing that had to find a new job so that I mean completely set me back of Mm. I thought I was over this (laughs) right right it's back to the beginning so then it's building myself up from I didn't eat for I mean I didn't eat for weeks um, so building back uh-huh. up, I was eating peanuts and grapes and like having to start very fresh and then working mm. my way out to, okay, now I'm going to start going out with my friends again and all that. It took, it took a few months for me to get back to where I was like, okay, I'm normal, but, um, mm-hmm. not, yeah. not over like, well, if I'm around vomit again, am I going to start all over? And that brought me a lot of fear again. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. so 
maybe I can go to a restaurant, but if it happens, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of puts you back in that square one. Um, yeah. So easier, but. it sounds like you just, you were smart enough to know that like naturally how to get over the phobia, which was to start um, not avoiding the things that you were avoiding and to just go and kind of do them all. Or maybe you had safety behaviors. I don't know. A lot of people have safety behaviors, right? Like they have mm-hmm. mints or gum or sipping water and like, I could make a huge long list of them. And so if you start Mm -hmm. to cut those things out and you stop them all and then you stop avoiding everything that you've been avoiding, then you do have a rather kind of normal life. You can just kind of go on. And so it sounds Mm -hmm. like you kind of did that and sort of forgot about it in a way until you got sick. And that really that really set you back. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a bit. So wow, that's, that's exactly how I'd explain it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did have some safety behaviors, um, but I really did want to cut them back. It was, mm-hmm. or it's just natural for me. I was taking an anxiety medication just as needed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing and approaching my fear. I'm going to take it, and then. I just didn't feel the need to take it anymore. It just naturally was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm not anxious. What's Why do I need to be anxious? So it just went away almost until it didn't, like you said. So right. building myself up again. And then um, I did have just a really weird year. It must have just come at the perfect time that I had dealt with a lot of vomiting. <laughs> so it was like... I don't know if it's just something meant to be a higher power that said, okay, you're ready for this next step in your onion of you're actually going to have right. real life experiences with it. You know, um, okay. I do have some spirituality and spiritual beliefs. And so mm-hmm. I never really had to deal with vomiting until this one year and I was like ready to tackle it. And I did. So that was the next layer. And mm-hmm. And you and you just like. did you went back to the same ways of trying to get over it in the sense of you just you went back to doing the things that you were avoiding. Is that mm-hmm. kind of what you did this next time? So you had a bad year. Yes, I'm following a, that. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I got back to that everyday normal again eventually. Okay, and so right. then I was at that same point of I'm. I'm in recovery, but I'm not actually recovered because I know I could be set back by vomiting. And um, what, I mean, a few things that happened over this course of the year that I had, I had vomited and I had a friend who immediately just jumped in, was holding back my hair, like just being so kind to me. And that was something I'd never experienced before. Um, okay. When I was growing up as a kid, I never got reassurance when I was sick. Um, oh. And then often growing up, when I was, if I was sick, it, I, I'm like a cat. I would right hide away and do Run it by away. myself. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Um, having this experience, like of somebody showing me compassion, and I don't know. Like, I just let it happen, I guess. It was weird, but I didn't have any option. I was 
at somebody else's house and I was sick. Um, yeah. And what, what led to that, you know? Was it alcohol or when you have a so friend? Was- yeah, it's like a friend holding your hair back. It's like pretty much probably alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, well, was, everybody that was an has- alcohol-related incident, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, okay. um, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that after being so afraid of everybody right. drinking alcohol and, <laughs> and never drank till right. I was, you know, much older than most of my peers. So... You know, I'm not ashamed of that. No, not at all. Pretty much everybody has to do that once, I think, uh, uh, at least once in their life. I I don't get the people that can do it every weekend and be sick every time. I think, wow, do you people not like, really? You like to, what is that about? But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. That that happened. And, you know, I just kind of moved on from it, especially being somewhat intoxicated it didn't have too much of an effect on me i guess okay um Mm -hmm. you know i was in a different state of mind so i felt okay um right and i felt better having done it which is something people always said to me and i was like don't give me that crap vomiting is the worst (laughs) it's not gonna make anybody feel better um no but it does yeah (laughs) it it does does. um our body does it for a reason so those were Mm -hmm. things that i definitely had to educate myself on and start to believe and then experience to believe it um and then it was months later that this same friend had thrown up in a bar which is just like Mm -hmm. you know the other time we were at his house this time it was at a bar Mm -hmm. and i had six different bartenders and bouncers come up to me yelling at me to get rid of him. And I was just like, I can't carry this man. He's so heavy. And, <laughs> uh, you know, I was just like, you know, dude, I just had to give him that same compassion. He was, I was just like, let it out. It's getting on my shoes. I was right. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, the other girl that we were with, she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't do vomit. And I was like, you have no idea what <laughs> right how much I yeah vomit. but I was like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna give him that compassion that he gave me so mm-hmm. I did I gave him compassion yeah. and we got him out of the bar and he was still going and you know it's just kind of like I gave him a little space at this point um but then we took him back to his room got him cleaned up got him into bed like he was feeling much better as well mm-hmm. afterwards um so i wasn't worried about yeah you know yeah him so you were okay and going to bed mm-hmm. but um right. you know i was fine he was fine and i immediately afterwards ate <laughs> like i was just oh, like how am you. i eating right now it did right. not kill my appetite or anything so that was like kind of a huge accomplishment for me as you know I went about yeah. that and I didn't even have a change of shoes. I wore those yeah. shoes to get food. Like, I don't know. Good for you. I wasn't even really dr- drinking or anything. Um, yeah. I was just kind of like, take care of him because he was being mm-hmm. deployed. So, um, oh gosh. Yeah. Was giving wow. him his last raw and he definitely went yeah. <laughs> very hard. Um, so I was yeah. taking care of him and I did really well. And so, that compassion is now kind of like that number yeah. one value for me. Right. Um, and I th- I think, too, that 
um, compassion is a different system in our brains from the fear system or the panic system. And if we can activate it or any other system for that matter, sometimes that's helpful, you know, to just kind of um, like when if people can see what others see as funny about vomiting, you know, when, when it's in funny movies and emetophobics are always like, why is this funny? It's not ever funny. Well, clearly it is funny or they wouldn't put it in, you know, it wouldn't be in, in funny movies and stuff. So, but if you could laugh at it, it you know, the, if it's meant to be laughed at, I mean, um, right. you know, that's another system in your brain. Um, and of course, just being calm is the ultimate other system in your brain that you want to be, you want to be calm. So, okay, so so that's good. And did you get, after all this, did you have another setback? Uh, I did. So that was mm -hmm. not the end of it. Um, okay. So the next layer of my onion is I had a setback when I went through a breakup. Mm. And, um, you know, that just set me back almost basically to the beginning. Um, all that anxiety and heartbreak made it difficult yeah. for me to eat. And then it got me trapped back in that cycle of, well, I can't eat because I'm nauseous. And, you know, I'm nauseous because I'm not eating. And that cycle can go on. Right. So yeah. um, just kind of was dealing with all the nausea and kind of starvation at that point. Um, and I guess that's where I finally approached like that core of my onion, my core fear of, Mm -hmm. um, rejection and you know being alone and in a sense that does go back to death like you said because our body believes if we're alone like we are impeding our survival yeah especially because it starts in childhood right and if you're a child and you're alone in the woods you know you don't have any parents or anything you'll die definitely you know, some coyote will come and get you or something. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty primal in that sense, yes, isn't it? Absolutely. That. So I felt, yeah. yeah, like that breakup. I mean, I guess that's a relatable feeling. People feel like they could die when they go through a really rough breakup. Yes, so that's it's terrible. that's exactly where I was. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> and, then you, and then you must have got better again, Yeah. Yes, and so that's where I kind of realized I had to heal my attachment style because a lot of my relationships were unhealthy. I was in a very toxic relationship with that person that I was with. So I really started studying a lot of how to heal your attachment style. And mm -hmm. in learning about my attachment style, of having an anxious attachment style, seeing a lot of the things that it has in common with my emetophobia of, you know, avoidance and fear of rejection. And mm -hmm. all those things were very intertwined for me. Yeah. Yes, I think that's true for, wow, so many people at some level. Yeah. And so with this insight that that you had, which is quite brilliant, um, then were you able to again go back to eating in restaurants and hanging out with your friends and going to the movies and things like that? 
Yes, absolutely. I've yeah. come a long way. Like I eat things mm-hmm. that I don't think the average person would feel comfortable trying. <laughs> like I think most recently I had um, beef tartare. Oh wow! Yeah. So okay. like yeah. <laughs> That was yeah. never a goal of mine. I never wanted to eat raw beef. Um, mm. But, you know, now I'm to the point where, you know, my friends are at really fancy restaurants with all kinds of, you uh-huh. know, seafood and yeah. sushi and things that I was super afraid right. of. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm just like, okay. That's awesome. L- bring it on. Let's try it. So I uh, yeah. had a lot. <laughs> That's great. That's great. It sounds to me like the piece that was missing for you in those, you know, two or three times that you got set back is, um, you know, like, like I, I, I often say that there's sort of a twofold path to recovery. On the one hand, you can say to yourself, usually the worst doesn't happen. You know, I I can do these things and risk all this behavior that I'm afraid to risk. And I don't need, you know, and and usually the worst doesn't happen. Most people don't get sick from these things. But the other part of the path that's really important is to be able to say, even if I vomit, I am still safe and okay. And it won't hurt me and I won't be in any danger. It's just nasty and unpleasant. It's not something dangerous you know Mm -hmm. so if that piece is missing then sure when something happens it does set you back you know would you say that you're at that place now where you could sort of say that to yourself yes i think and a huge like mantra i've used is like that i'm still worthy and i'm still loved and that right you know if i vomit that's not going to make everybody just leave me abandon me oh no oh no so that was i think that was a huge thing for me is Mm -hmm. feeling like i didn't have the worth right right and yet you do i mean Mm -hmm. gosh you know one thing i mean it's really it's really fun doing a podcast but in some ways i wish i were a youtuber i don't have enough self-esteem without like two hours in hair and makeup to do (laughs) but you are so beautiful like you're beautiful and you're so smart and you're funny and you know it's amazing that it all it doesn't even matter right what we look like or how how kind of yeah smarter or funny it's still you can feel like you're worthless like there's anybody can anyone at all can feel that way um for whatever reason and and just feel the vulnerability that goes into that um when when you don't feel worthy so um i i am so glad that you agreed to come on today and i was right it's just a an absolutely brilliant way to start the season because your recovery journey doesn't involve a whole bunch of therapists and and a you know other 
not that there's anything wrong with that because I am one and um and and, and you you want to be one and so yeah but I just love that you figured it out yourself you you went about it exactly the right way it took you a few tries you know if the anxiety in your family or the stress in your life goes high enough it could rear its ugly head again even for me um but if you're close enough, you know, if you, that you don't want to get it going way back to the beginning, you know, you, you want to just kind of say, okay, enough of that, you know, that this is not dangerous and, and I'm safe and, and all of that. So yeah, it's been wonderful having you, Kelsey. I'm sure you're going to be a great inspiration to a, a whole bunch of people that are listening today. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope that I inspire somebody out there. Absolutely. A big thank you to all of my listeners and subscribers who have waited patiently for me to begin this podcast again in season two. Um, you can probably hear I still have somewhat of a cold laryngitis. Yes, I've been COVID tested. It's negative. Um, and so it, it, it's been a month of <laughs> not being able to get started, but I have such an exciting, um, season coming up for you and you absolutely must. Uh, tune in next week when my guests are Dr. David Veal and Dr. Alexandra Keys, the two most noted and most prominent researchers on emetophobia on all of planet Earth. And they have just come out with a new book that is fantastic. And I'm so excited to be interviewing them next week. I'll be dropping podcasts every Monday now. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say until next week. We'll see you then.